Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live, the Hour of Truth with Richard Lawrence and Chrissy Blaze. Welcome to Aetherius Radio Live on Body, Mind, Spirit Radio, brought to you every third Tuesday monthly at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, 6 p.m. UK Time and 10 a.m. Pacific Time. Aetherius Radio Live invites you to discover the cosmic message for this age, revealed through legendary master of yoga and world-renowned medium, Dr. George King, between 1954 and 1997. Be prepared for another amazing show covering fascinating topics such as karma, UFOs, the Mother Earth, the New World, the Next Master, life on other planets, and much more. Today, A Serious Radio Live is hosted by Chrissy Blaze talking with her guest, Alison Lawrence an international director of the Ethereum Society, about the fascinating subject of today's show. The world without flying saucers? Lifeless. So without further ado, I give you your host, Chrissy Blaze, and her guest, Alison Lawrence. Thank you very much, Nikki. And Thank welcome you. again to the show, Alison. It's always, always nice a to be here. To have you on. Uh, yes. Thank you very much. And, um, <laughs> it's a great pleasure to have you back because um, Alison, as I mentioned previously, is a great researcher and has recently, and like myself, we have many things in common, Alison and I. We are great friends. Um, but one thing is the subject of UFOs, and both of us have been very fascinated by this topic for many decades. And both of us in, in separate countries as we are now, uh, Alison in, in England and myself in the U.S., uh, we both are actively promoting the topic of, of UFOs, flying saucers, through lectures and so on, articles and so on. And it's something, it's a fascinating topic, isn't it, Alison? I mean, it's, um, it's absolutely well, it's getting, fascinating. It's getting more and more interesting because as the years go by, there's more and more evidence that's coming to light about their existence. Exactly, and it goes back into time, and today we're going to cover a lot. We're going to cover um, UFOs, the ancient history, and we're going to give a historical perspective. Alison's going to talk about ancient civilizations uh, and, and the subject of flying saucers. We're going to talk about um, what's happened in the last 50 or so years, 50, 60 years. Uh, as Alison said, there's been a tremendous um, uh, increase in sightings and activities over the years. But at the same time, we're also going to talk about the most important question of all, and that is the one that I think everybody is asking, why are they here? Why are they coming? Why don't they show themselves? And actually, I, I filled in a survey the other day, Alison, it was just a three-question yes. survey. One was, um, you know, people who don't believe in UFOs. One was people who, well, they kind of believe, but they they need to see one. And the third question was, um, I believe in, in UFOs and, ex, and advanced uh, intelligences that man them. And um, I believe that there is a government cover-up. And I, of course, ticked that, that answer. Well, it surprised me when I saw the result of the survey that 70% of people had ticked that as their answer. And so it's not the public who don't want to know. But as we have both experienced in our research and promotion of UFOs over many years, there is a tremendous cover-up from governmental sources. So I'll hand over to Alison, who's recently given um, a lecture on this topic uh, about this very subject. Why do you think, Alison, that um, there's so much uh, cover-up has gone on over so many years? Well, I mean, <clears throat> excuse me. I mean, this goes back decades because the flying saucers were first seen, you know, in the way that we understand them during the, the Second World War, and they were known then as uh, Foo Fighters. And both sides during the war thought it was the other side, and uh, then they realised that it was actually uh, they were extraterrestrial. They certainly weren't from this world. But uh, it was uh, Kenneth Arnold, actually, who coined the phrase uh, flying saucer. And this was in 1947 
and uh, he was a, a pilot and he was flying his uh, <clears throat> his small plane in uh, Washington state in the vicinity of Mount Rainier and uh, he suddenly saw these strange craft in formation flying towards uh, the mountain and he reported this as he would and uh, <clears throat> he said they were saucer-like disks and of course he was ridiculed but the name stuck and we've <laughs> now they you know, it's not really fair to call them flying saucers. They're really interplanetary craft. But there definitely is a cover-up. And in fact, it was under the Freedom of Information Act that came out, I think, in 1978, or certainly around that time, that a lot of papers were released in America and, uh, and in this country, in, in, in the UK. And we have Nick Pope, who used to work from the Ministry of Defence, and uh, he's on uh, he's on television a lot, talking about uh, sightings. It it is quite incredible just what the government has been covering up. Oh, I know Nick Pope from the 1980s when uh, Richard Lawrence, the co-host of this show, and myself were engaged heavily in promoting UFOs, and we would talk to him in the Ministry of Defence quite often, especially yes. Richard and. Uh, he was very involved in that. So interesting to hear, because now that I'm in the U.S., I don't really hear about Nick Polk and what he's doing. So interesting to hear that he's no, on the TV no. quite a lot now. Oh, he's on. He's on all the time. Really? <laughs> but I, I um, think it's a question of control. I think um, the governments, they, they have their own agenda. They know a lot more than they're letting on about the moon, Mars. I mean, well, we've, we covered that subject before. But, I mean, the ridiculous... Uh, explanations like mutton birds coming home to roost or um, lights from a Japanese uh, squid fleet or light reflections, Venus moving at high speed, weather balloons. And so it goes on. And, you know, the, the explanations simply do not fit the, uh, you know, what people have reported. And I mean, they're tracked on radar as well. It, it, and the case goes on. But so the, the government, for some, they've got a secret agenda and they really do not want us to know. But I think we're reaching the point, thanks to the Internet, that these things can't be kept secret. I mean, there's footage out there and it's, it's quite clear just what uh, you know, these, uh, these strange craft really are. Certainly, you know, they do have flight patterns that cannot be repeated by any uh, Earth aircraft, certainly at the present time. But exactly. There, there are certain members of the government who, who do want the, the, the subject released. I mean, John Podesta, you've probably heard about him in the news recently, as he was, uh, I believe, the campaign manager for Hillary Clinton. But he was also... I, uh, yes, I do have that, yes. And, yeah, and he was Obama's transition chief as well. So he, he said he's very much into the whole topic. And in 2004, he said it's time to open the books on questions that have remained in the dark on the question of government investigations of UFOs. And he said, it's time to find out what the truth really is. We ought to do it because it's right. We ought to do it because the American people, quite frankly, and the people of the world, he didn't say that, that's me, can handle the truth. And we ought to do it because it's the law. And Bill Clinton actually said, if the United States Air Force did recover alien bodies in Roswell, the Air Force didn't tell me about it. And I would like to know whether he ever found out that I don't know, but there's certainly some members of the government who um, do believe in UFOs, are interested in finding the truth. So, uh, but still, there is this sort of mass cover-up, isn't there? I, mean, I know. I mean, talking about John Podesta, because uh, I also just found out recently that um, Edgar Mitchell, he was the sixth man to walk on the moon, and he passed on yeah. earlier this year. He was in the Apollo yeah. 14 mission. He actually wrote to John Podesta uh, in, in October 2014 to discuss the fact that the Vatican had knowledge about uh, extraterrestrial intelligence. That's what they call it, ETI. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, everyone's denying it. And yet, you know, I, I do believe that some of these astronauts were sworn to silence or something would happen to them. And this is why were, yeah. there's, always been this, there's, there's always been this delay. You know, they, they relay information and there's, I think, a three-minute uh, pause before the information actually is released here on Earth. 
so that they yeah, got a, right. a, ta- a chance to censor it. But I tell you, exactly. I think it's all it's all part of a plan, and I think that the world the world is now ready to know. And it was it started, it, as I say, it started with the Foo Fighters, then Kenneth Arnold, and then we had. Uh, it, have you heard of the UFO wave of 1952? Because this oh, is quite yes. an ex- a lot happened in 1952. Quite an, <laughs> there were. Dozens upon dozens of sightings reported in the in America, up to 27 sightings per day were rec- reported. So much so that the director of intelligence of the U.S. Air Force, John Samford, at that in that uh, in that year, he held the largest press conference since World War II to discuss flying saucers, and they were flying over the White House, and it was Incredible. reported in the national papers and then i think i think roswell was actually a, a setup i i can't i can't put my hand on my heart to say that but i find it hard to believe that an alien intelligence who can come to this earth from outside of this solar system and crash land on earth i think it's a way that the higher beings within this solar system were preparing us for the concept of a meeting mm. of life forms from other worlds. And of course, they, yes, uh, and I think Richard believes that as well. And uh, I, I think it's in, in one of the messages that we've had through the Ethereum Society that we're being prepared for, you know, for the, right. the contact with, with Dr. George King. You see, it's a, it's a complicated Love. situation. Yeah. Go on, Chrissy. What were you going to say? The thing that happened in 1952, Alison, was the beginning of Project Blue Book. That was one of the the series of studies by the United States Air Force that you mentioned. And uh, it began in 1952. And finally, I mean, it went on a long time because I think it ended in 1969. And the reason it was ended, believe it or not, was because they said it wasn't, UFOs are not a risk to national security. Not that they don't exist, but they're not a risk. And that's why they said the, the oh, project dear. ended. But they had how many years? Uh, seven. I know oh, gosh, it's so many, ridiculous. Many years of research. And this is just well, one. I've got another uh, piece. I've got another piece of information. This is now getting more up to date. 2011, there was a lobbyist in uh, America who, under the name of Steve Bassett, and he he wanted to know what the official position was of the American government. And this is the response that he got, and I can read it to you verbatim. The government has no evidence that any life exists outside our planet or that an extraterrestrial presence has contacted or engaged any member of the human race. In addition, there is no credible information to suggest that any evidence is being hidden from the public's eye. I mean, it's so ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, the people that you really want to listen to about this topic on this physical plane are the uh, astronauts. And virtually all of the original astronauts were outspoken on the topic of UFOs because virtually all of them saw them and were tracked by them and uh, believe that they're highly advanced intelligences. Astronaut Gordon Cooper was extremely outspoken. He was one of the first, I think, seven... Mercury astronauts. He had a, gave a message to the United Nations, and he was calling for, expressing that they're more technically advanced than we are. The, the crews are visiting from other planets. Um, he said that there was a need to have a top-level coordinated program um, and to determine how best to communicate with the visitors in a friendly fashion and so forth. And he called for this publicly. And um, over and over again, as you say, Edgar Mitchell, many, many of the astronauts spoke know, openly about it once they had retired usually because, of course, they had to sign confidentiality agreements and so forth. But uh, quite often once they'd retired, they then were very outspoken. I mean, there is another aspect so, to all this, and that's the silence group. You yes. see, there is a plan to keep us in the dark, and, uh, you know, if they do put out uh, stories of UFOs, they're scare stories like abductions and the greys and they they do terrible things to us. And that's to scare people off as well. And then you get the men in black. Right. And th- they are very real. 
you know, people are threatened, their families are threatened. If, uh, you know, if a, a particular individual should pursue, a, a, you know, a line of uh, inquiry into UFOs or, you know, want to publicize a, a sighting that can't be refuted. And this is this is what's happening. Exactly. But, but I think you see, people, as you say, they're ready now. They want to know the truth. They don't want any more lies or, you know, it's time. And... Uh, but it's not a new phenomenon, is it? And, and of course, your no, husband, my no. co-host, Richard Lawrence, has done a lot of research and published um, a book that he co-authored with um, the great contactee, spiritual master, Dr. George King, Contact with the Gods from Space, which I highly recommend. And I believe in that book, there's a lot of uh, evidence uh, and research about previous civilizations and so on. And Absolutely. And I think you've done a lot of research on that yourself, Alison. Is that correct? Well, I, I have. I mean, I mean, there are sightings in the Bible. I mean, here's one which is, uh, is quoted in Richard's book, and this is from the prophet Zechariah. Then I turned and lifted up mine eyes and looked, and behold, a flying scroll. And he said unto me, What seest thou? I answered, I see a flying scroll, the length thereof is 20 cubits, and the breadth thereof 10 cubits. Well, you have to understand that the people in those days didn't have the technology, so they had nothing to relate it to. So it might have looked like a flying scroll. Now we would uh, describe it as a, a cigar-shaped mothership. But right. it, yeah. it really goes, it goes to show that, uh, you know, it's not a new phenomenon. And I mean, Elijah, he went up in a chariot of fire and then he, a whirlwind into heaven. And of course, uh, this idea of a whirlwind suggests a vortex of energy and that's often associated with UFO sightings. So, I mean, that's yeah. just in the Bible. But then let's have a look yeah. at going back to the, the Ramayana, that aerial and excellent right. Vimana, which is what they call them, going everywhere it will. Everywhere at will is ready for thee. This is uh, um, when uh, when Rama was uh, taking uh, a vimana to to someone. I mean, and then he said that vimana resembling a bright cloud in the sky is in the city of Lanka. So now we're going really back. We're going back to the ancient civilizations of Lemuria and Atlantis. But what happened? We destroyed those two civilizations. And I'm afraid what you can't do is a, a disassociate the UFO phenomenon with spiritual teaching. And this is the key to it all. It's not the nuts yes. and bolts. Oh, they're, they're flying around and they're looking. Of course they could land. If they can get here, they can easily land. And there has to be a reason why they don't. And I put that down to a karma because uh, that great universal law which governs everything in the universe and uh, the beings who man the flying saucers, they follow that great law of karma and they can only go so far in, in, how they, in the way they approach us. I mean, you see, yeah, and you, you also think about humanity's response, you know, were they to land? <laughs> I mean, how warlike <laughs> yes, exactly. we are. Yeah. I mean, it wouldn't do us well, any this good is at all it. At, at this point, would it? Mm. So they're very, very clever and very strategic, aren't they, Alice, and have been they're very, over many, they're many very centuries. <laughs> you see, they're waiting what? for us to change from within so that we're spiritually ready for them. But you see, I think the big game-changer... Uh, with the, the UFO phenomenon was the atomic bomb. And right. uh, all the early contacts of Dr. George King were about the dangers of nuclear fallout and uh, nuclear experimentation. And, uh, I mean, it's quite incredible to think that between 1951 and 1992, there are a total of 928 announced nuclear tests you know, uh, it's um, it's just extraordinary, including high-altitude nuclear bombs, just to see if we can create another Van Allen belt, you know. And there you've got North Korea. They're still experimenting. Yes. 
Yeah. And so this was a very important time, wasn't it, in the 1950s, for many reasons. Um, so perhaps you'd like to explain what happened in the 1954 um, very important time for in the Etheria Society for Humanity. Well, the Etheria Society wasn't formed then, but I mean for uh, Dr. George King and for the world as a whole. Um, well, of course, this... Yes. Okay, yes. Now, I'll go back to... Reel back to the UFO wave of 1952. So, right. really getting ready, prepared for the concept of contact as being some other worlds. Science fiction became popular. Then, whether it's true or not, we had the Roswell incident. So, when when Dr. King was contacted by a messenger from Venus, of course, the higher planes, this was the start of the great mission in the Ethereum Society that Dr. King spearheaded as primary terrestrial mental channel and to, to let us understand that they are spiritual, that they come in peace, but there are certain things we have to do. And, you know, they, try, they had a strategy to educate us uh, you know, we have to stop war. We have to stop uh, nuclear experimentation. I mean, you, do you know of the uh, the Russian atomic accident? I mean, yes. mm -hmm. it was really, you know, quite an extraordinary thing. But I mean, prior to that, the great uh, communicator, Mars Sector 6, made this statement in a transmission entitled The Challenge of the H-Bomb. And he said this, we have had to use half a million complicated pieces of equipment in order to absorb the power released by your foolish scientists. Gosh. Yeah. So straight away, we, you, we now know that without their intervention on the, the nuclear aspect who knows what our world would be like? It could be a seething mass of radioactive ruin. You know, exactly. the Earth would be far more contaminated than it is now. Exactly. I mean... They've done so much, and there's a lot of proof of that. And there not only, you know, Do is. Dr. King was, was contacted, as Alison said, um, we call it the command, and since that time he received uh, hundreds and hundreds, over 600 messages from these advanced extraterrestrial intelligences. Uh, we call them cosmic transmissions. But at the same time, people say, well, why was he the only one contact? Well, actually, he wasn't. And one example no, I'd like right. to give, because this is just after that, 1955, and this is very well documented, that President Eisenhower was contacted yeah. uh, by an extraterrestrial, and he was offered by the extraterrestrial contact to give technology which would cure disease and to give cheap, non-polluting energy technology if they would make concessions regarding warfare. But Eisenhower said the government wasn't ready for that. And mm, it's reported that yeah, the yeah. extraterrestrial walked out through the wall of the hangar where he was and went back to the spacecraft um, and did some more demonstrations like disappearing and reappearing and then left. And there are many other um, contacts made with... Uh, influential people throughout the world and so he certainly wasn't the only one but his contact was very different but um, of course we have well, free will so you know, President Eisenhower yes. and others contacted uh, they didn't take it any further no I, I know this is just that is the state of uh, humankind you know they don't take the right advice I mean this is one reason why they don't land openly because actually it would put, put a karmic pressure on people to change when they're not ready for it. So by this slowly, right. slowly approach, we're starting to change from within. And then they can, they, they're inviting us to cooperate with them. And it's definitely through the use of spiritual energy. I mean, just the Russian nuclear accident, which took place in uh, 1958... You know, uh, again, Mars Sector 6 said that a great amount of radioactivity uh, ha has been released into the atmosphere of terror. And then the Master Theorist goes on to say that they were really frightened 
by the tremendous release of radioactive materials. And this is the key. Because this accident took place, we will most certainly have to use a tremendous amount of energy which should have been used in a different way. And this is a key thing. It's the use or misuse of energy. And in that accident alone, divine intervention, which is how, what we call it, 17 million lives were saved. I mean, wow. that is it's unthinkable. And Chernobyl as well. Oh, and of and course. That was proven, wasn't it? Can I just say it a little was... bit about the atomic accident? Please do, in yes. Morales Mountain. Yeah, because that was, as Alison said, 1958. And if you remember, in 1976, it was, um, actually yes. it was published in Cosmic Voice, the Ethereum Society Journal, in 1958. And um, in 1976, the new scientist revealed information about it. But if you remember, Richard contacted yes, the scientist I know, who, I know. who revealed the information, Dr. Medvedev, in, I think it was 1978. And uh, he interviewed him and so forth, and the new scientist. And he told them that we'd already published this in 1958. And they then published an article saying, scooped by a UFO. In other words, that I know they really so they didn't like to do it. You know, they didn't make it. They, they should have made it a the front page article but it was just a little two line you know little sentences somewhere in the middle of the magazine you know but they had to admit it (laughs) but this is absolute proof that not only did the accident happen it was reported in new scientists in cosmic voice and revealed by dr medvedev the dissident scientist from the ussr but um it was it, it was um absolutely proven that this happened and um, if you, you know, this is ultimate proof, well, isn't it? I mean, I mean, Doctor King was in Devon. Yeah, he, he was in Devon at the time. Doctor King was he? Were at the time of the yes, and that's when he received the, the transmission. And as you say, we published it. It was lodged in the British Library for posterity. Until uh, Doctor Medvedev came to the West and declared that it had happened in 1958, that accident. I mean, if yeah. anyone with an open mind wants to look at the Ethereum Society, there is proof, there is real evidence that the cosmic masters, the cosmic intelligences have chosen to communicate in this way because of the government cover-up. As you said, Chrissy, yeah. you know, they do yeah. approach yeah. governments. And uh, yeah. this is it. You see, now there's another great communicator, Mars Sector 8, and uh, he, he stated, uh, also in uh, 1958, he said, we intend to approach chosen people, an ordinary person here, a housewife in Birmingham, because of the, the government cover-up. So they're going to the ordinary person to make sure that their message is given out to the world as a whole. Absolutely. So it, um, I know, I mean... I mean, I'm, I'm I met mean, a, somebody in London when I lived there, um, a young man, and he, he said when he was a child, he, a UFO, a flying saucer, landed in front of him in a field. But really? So, wow. number one, he wasn't really scared. He was excited, but he didn't know who to tell. And he would carried yes, it with right. him for sort of 20 years. And I was the first person he told because he knew I was interested in the subject. But I'm saying if anybody listening to this show has uh, an experience like that or a fantastic uh, experience, then do contact us um, via the, you know, send an email to myself, chrissyblaze at msn.com, or go to um, the Ethereum Society and tell us about your experiences because we are interested. Absolutely, and I mean, it's, uh, it's certainly hotting up. I mean, Fukushima, there's another example. You know... Now, this was when we launched uh, a program, a spiritual run that you were mentioning earlier, in cooperation with beings from other worlds, and a total of 439,500 prayer hours were sent out to the area. And that was between March 11th and March 25th. And on March the 26th, the day after, there was an extraordinary sighting which was actually filmed and uh, these craft arrive in formation, they line up, 
they and they just move around and then suddenly they join together and they take off and yeah. one can see that and then I think about two weeks later a huge mothership glided over the area and that was on Japanese television and German television so it's, it's, it's a, they're there you know we've reached the point when the government simply can't cover it up anymore and I think the embarrassment that they have is how, how they're going to explain it <laughs> right, a, right. I think after covering up for so long. <laughs> yes. Yes, I yes, see, Alison. Uh, this might be a good time to have a break, and yes, uh, right. we can come back afterwards and talk about the kind of, you know, why they're here, the, the more of the spiritual aspects and so forth, yes, the cosmic message. Uh, right. Yes. So over to our producer, Nikki. Hi there. Thank you very much, Chrissy. You are listening to A Serious Radio Live with host Chrissy Blaze and her guest Alison Lawrence in this really, truly fascinating show, The World Without Flying Saucers, Lifeless. For further information, please visit our website, as mentioned by Chrissy, aserious.org, as referred to also during the show, Contacts with the Gods from Space by Dr. George King, co-authored with Richard Lawrence, and UFOs and the Extraterrestrial Message by Richard Lawrence are available as both printed books and e-books. Also available on CDs and audio downloads are lectures by Dr. George King. All of these can be obtained, as mentioned, from Aetherius.org, together with details on how you can cooperate with the gods from space. One way we can do this is by tuning in to the 12 blessing services that are held every Saturday and Sunday via our website 12blessings.org, that's 12 in digits, and you are warmly invited to join in with these live online services to send out much-needed spiritual energy to our world. As the Theorist Radio Live listeners will remember, we are currently in a spiritual push, and that is when our spiritual service is enhanced by a factor of 3,000 times. There are also several activities, including workshops and lectures, taking place this month at Aetherius Temple in London. So for further details on these, please visit the website london-temple.org. On Wednesday, November 23rd, another very uh, important day, we commemorate the giving of the Lord's Declaration through Dr. George King on this date in 1958 with our annual pilgrimage to the Holy Mountain, Brown Willie, in Bodmin Moor, Cornwall. Again, you are warmly invited to join us if you are able to attend, and please visit our website, ethereus.org, to obtain essential information about pilgrimages. For regular activities at the Michigan branch, please visit AetheriusMI.org. And now we return you to your host, Chrissy Blaze, and her guest, Alison Lawrence. Thanks, Nikki. So, Alison, I think you you painted a really interesting uh, picture of of the history of UFOs over many centuries, going right back to previous civilizations. Um, There's so much proof out there which you've explained and talked about the cover-up We've talked about, um, you know, very prominent people being contacted, including, of course, uh, the founder of the society, the spiritual master that we follow, uh, Dr. George King, who has received over 600 of these messages for many, many years. I know. A, I mean, it's but a now in, in track record. Part, we're going to talk about. I'm sorry, Alison. No. But now I mean, in this part, we're going to talk more about. Um, yes, about why they're here. The Cosmic Message, and the title of this uh, radio show, which Alison very interestingly called The World Without Flying Saucers, Lifeless. First of all, Alison, what did you mean by that? Well, um, (laughs) right. First of all, all, um, I I was talking to you about the the nuclear experimentation aspect of the intervention, that they have basically mopped up a lot of excess radioactivity from our the atmosphere and also probably would have contaminated the the earth as well and 
I mean, all this uh, radioactivity could have um, in affected the ionosphere, and uh, I think the radioactivity would uh, f find its way into the f food chain, and there'd be a lot of disease. It might blot out the sunlight, and we would be facing a nuclear winter. So that is just one thing that yeah. they've done. Yeah. But the thing is, Dr. King, he, he didn't just act as the, as the channel, you know, stating what they were doing. He, he was their agent as well. And he designed certain missions which were, uh, and the idea of these missions was to put energy back to the earth. It's a manipulation of spiritual energy which helps the planet as a living entity. And of course, uh, mankind will benefit from that as well. And there's a one-off mission which is called Operation Blue Water. That was the code name given to this where energy was put into the psychic center of the planet Earth. Because in the Ethereum society, and I mean we're not alone in that way, but we definitely believe that the planet is a living entity, not a consciousness that we can comprehend because it's so much more advanced than we are. But nevertheless, it's interesting that a planet has psychic centers in the way that we have psychic centers, and there are more of them. But by putting a token amount of energy back, like a, it's like giving something back to the Earth in a way that she can accept it, she, the Mother Earth, it slows down the movement of the tectonic plates, which then in turn uh, lessens the effects of earthquakes. And this particular mission, Operation Blue Water, prevented the west coast of America from sinking beneath two miles of seawater. I mean, you know, if we think the Indonesian earthquake was bad with the, with the tsunami, I mean, terrible as that was, if you imagine a whole half a continent disappearing under the ocean, you'd have a tsunami that uh, could be a mile or two miles high, and that would reverberate around the earth. And it would be absolutely cataclysmic in a way that we couldn't begin to imagine. And so millions upon millions of lives were saved just in that one operation. And out of Operation Blue Water came the great mission Operation Sunbeam. And this is part of Dr. King's legacy. And the Ethereum Society still performs this mission today in cooperation with beings from other worlds. And, you know, we still hear about earthquakes, but... Even just looking at the one in New Zealand recently, so far, you know, 7.8 magnitude and how many minor earthquakes were there, so far there have been two deaths. I mean, it's two too many, yeah. but nevertheless, it could yeah. be 2,000, you know. Yeah. And yeah. this is one way how they help. They, yeah. they help us. Yeah, exactly. That's, thank you very much for explaining that, Alison. Help us in so many ways that we don't even really, well, humanity doesn't think about and takes for granted, you know, that we're exploding all these bombs and somehow it, it goes away. Well, it doesn't just go away. It goes away no. because of the tremendous sacrifice and love for the Earth and humanity of the great cosmic intelligences. And, you know, the astronauts knew that they were very technologically advanced. What they didn't yes, know, of course. Uh, perhaps they might have guessed, they were also extremely spiritually advanced. And that is well, why people may say, well, why are they doing all this for us, this warlike race? You know, and we wonder. And sometimes, you, well, we certainly don't deserve it. But, of course, they care about the planet, highly advanced intelligence, as Alison said, but also about humanity because they want us to evolve as we should. And people may, listening may say, well, what can I do? I'm very interested in UFOs. What can I do? Well, one thing is, uh, as I think Dr. George King said, keep your heads up. There's a lot to be seen if you only watch. And um, it's a very yes, fascinating world right. up there. <laughs> I know you I, watch we, the skies a lot, Alison, don't we you? We do. Oh, yes, we do. And we've had, had, quite we've a had few numerous sightings. sightings. Yes, just going on our, our nightly passage out or walk we look up in the sky instead of just on the ground or ahead of us and on a clear night you definitely we've i've seen many that you know they may look as if they're larger than stars but then they'll suddenly shine a bright light and then they'll change directions and move off or just disappear 
So, I mean, they're not comets, they're not meteorites, and they're not satellites. Because I know what the satellites are like. They sort of bob along in in a, you know, in a fixed trajectory, and uh, you can always tell. But, But, you know, going back... Watching, of course, is is to take it further to study the cosmic teachings given through Dr. King, because they weren't given just for the Ethereum Society. They were given for humanity. And the Ethereum Society is the caretaker of these teachings. And they are wonderful teachings that will help help us if we study them, if we use them, if we act upon them to evolve and to be ready for the coming to this earth of advanced extraterrestrial intelligences and another master to this planet. And I think you wanted to talk a little about that. Yes, but, uh, you see, the big one, the big key to understanding how they operate, is another very important message, and that is the spiritual energy crisis. Dr. King he gave a tremendous lecture about that, and the space intelligences have brought into orbit a satellite which is referred to as satellite number three, and it comes, to, it comes into orbit of Earth four times a year. And during these special periods that we call the spiritual push or magnetization periods, all unselfish actions are enhanced by a factor of 3,000 times. So if you're giving healing during a time like that, it's, it's more karmically potent. It really operates on a karmic level and by being aware of these dates and I mean I can give these out perhaps later um, it's under the jurisdiction of the great Martian intelligence Mars Sector 6 and it helps to pull the human race back into the safety zone because without uh, an output of spiritual energy we would be in a serious karmic deficit and the result of that would be greater earthquakes. Uh, I mean, then, of course, you've got the whole subject of the uh, other realms. But I've got here, this is a quote from the Master of Sirius about satellite number three, which he gave early in 1956. All your spiritual exercises will be multiplied in potency by 3,000 during this time. If you live the laws laid down by your religion, no matter what religion it is, then during this time you can absorb greater power into yourselves and also transmit it out to others who are hungry and and thirsty in the darkness of their own spiritual poverty. I mean, you know, you couldn't say it better. (laughs) That's beautiful. And that just um, demonstrates or illustrates uh, the fact that the cosmic intelligences don't just speak to one religion or one group of people or one organization. They always speak to humanity as a whole because that's how they see Absolutely. us. Absolutely. As one. That is what they look and at. That's the beauty of it because in these spiritual pushes that Alison mentioned, um, it's not just uh, you know, a certain group of people that's going to be affected. Anyone on earth, whether they are religious or not, whether they have no religion at all, if they're doing something to help someone else or sending out prayers or um, doing some healing, then the effect of that will be uh, enhanced by 3,000 times, as Alison said. And, you know, we mustn't think that um, the Ethereum Society is the only religious organization that believes oh, no. in UFOs. Oh, no, we've never said that. Because I was, no. I was reading, Alison, recently about some of, of the Vatican, the Roman Catholic Church, members of it yes. are very open. And you probably They've know really about... Changed. Um, I think Balducci, his name was the astronomer to the Vatican. I'm sure you have this information. But he said one thing. He said, the Lord certainly did not limit his glory to this small earth. On other planets, other beings exist who did not sin and fall as we did. Isn't that interesting? Exactly. From the astronomer to the Vatican? Well, I mean, didn't uh, the Master Jesus himself say, "In in my Father's house are many mansions? You know, it's a sort of yes, veiled absolutely. way of, of referring to other planets, to other planes. You know, it, you know there, there are references, you know, right throughout our history to other worlds. And, but what they, today, the way we can help is through the uh, spiritual energy output. You see, they've got the absolutely. technology 
to look at the, at the mind belt. And what do they see? They see the most awful thoughts. You, you know, this is what people don't yeah. realize. Every time you think something, that energy goes somewhere and it, has, it, it will have a, a form, it'll have a smell, a sound, it'll, you know, and a lot of it is really quite disgusting. And this is what they're looking at. And then in this dark, murky pond, if you like, you get sparks of light. Yes. You know. yes. But you see, the more we do, and if we get together, it also potentizes our actions. You know, and the Ethereum Society has uh, an ongoing program of spiritual activities so that we can send out the right type of energy into the mind belt. And especially yes. during these magnetization periods, then it's enhanced. And the more we do, the more they can do in return. Absolutely. And we're, we're in one now, of course, aren't we, Alison, until December the 10th? Yes. And so anyone That's right. That's the final one. <laughs> yeah, it's the yes, final it's one this final year. One of the anyone year. listening, you, you can actually prove it to yourself that um, something's going on, something very powerful spiritually. Uh, if you're a sensitive person, you can uh, cooperate in this time and you can send a prayer, being conscious of the fact that there are these advanced intelligences who can beam down on anyone who's doing something spiritual and magnify the effect 3,000 times. Um, and you may well feel a lot of power. Many people who've never done it before, they tune in during these spiritual pushes and they say, wow, it was an amazing experience. Even more amazing if you do this near um, a headquarters or a branch or a group of the Ethereum Society, and they're all listed on ethereus.org. We, as Alison said, we do have a lot of enhanced activities during these spiritual pushes that anyone is very welcome uh, to attend and to experience the spiritual power uh, for themselves. You know, they are waiting. The cosmic masters are waiting. You know, they regard us as part of the family of the solar system, but we're at the kindergarten stage. And they can only do so much because they are under karmic limitation in as much as we are under our own karmic limitation, which is self-imposed. I mean, this is why we're yeah. given such transmissions like from free will to freedom. And, you know, we are given the tools and the wherewithal to be able to advance. But yes, we have to break away from social conditioning. Uh, you know, we've been told that as well. And then you've got other forces working against us, but we have to overcome that. And, you know, it's a great opportunity. I mean, the Cosmic Masters have actually said that they'll give us their secrets of gravitational control, teleportation, thought protection, if it were not to be used as a weapon. And this is what the governments would do. And the master theorists also said quite openly that all their scientific knowledge would be shared with us, but we have to yeah. show that we are ready. And then they'll not only invite us to their planets, but give us all their technology of interplanetary and interstellar travel. I mean, it's absolutely fantastic. You know, the invitation is there. They're waiting for us. Absolutely. It's very moving. And uh, I... The thing is, the very hopeful thing is that it's up to each and every one of us to take that step by you know, thinking about UFOs, by looking to the skies, by studying, by researching the Ethereum Society's message, cosmic message over many, many decades. Um, I'd like to just read a little thing from the Master Ethereus, and I yes. think it's very, again, very moving. And the Master Ethereus, highly advanced intelligence, said that we know of your grave difficulties, but don't you see that you have had those difficulties because somewhere down along the path of evolution, you have done things which have brought those difficulties upon yourselves. So you have to find the way out. You have to work your way out. We will help you to do it, but we cannot give you complete help until you make a start, individually and collectively. And then he goes on, he says, explains exactly how to do it. So I wouldn't mind just reading this paragraph. Yes, uh, with me, yeah, absolutely. Yes. He says, yeah, he says, go forward as instructed by your holy works. That is all you have to do, you know. You I do know. not have to start working miracles. 
You just have to get hold of a little book written about Buddha, a little book written about Jesus, a little book written about Sri Krishna, a little book written about Sankacharya, and study it. And I would add, since that was <laughs> transmission was given, books written by Dr. George King as well. That is all you have to do. He gave this transmission prior to our master writing these books. But that is all you have to do, and study it. Then apply the theory to your mind and act upon it. That is the answer. That is it. I mean, it's the language of direct action. This is how exactly. they they phrase it. Yeah, but I mean, exactly. it's in the aims. It's in the aims and objects of the Ethereum Society. In fact, uh, the aim aim number four is to organise the society so as to create favourable conditions for closer contact with and ultimately meeting the people from the other planets. So, you know, we have a goal. We are paving the way for the new age. And it's yes. the we, way I, is through the, the right use of spiritual energy. Exactly. And uh, a change is coming. I think everybody's aware change has come to this planet. Things are speeding up. Um, more and more people are wanting the truth on, the other, on one hand. On the other hand, it seems more and more people wanting war. And it was predicted by the cosmic masters that we'd reach a stage where humanity would kind of be split. Um, and you'd have to take a side, if you like, whether you're going to take the side of good, which we hope you all will, or whether you're going to take the side that wants war and divisiveness and disruption. You know, now is the time to take that side because we are preparing and we're also preparing for the coming to this earth of another great avatar. And this is something yes. I don't know if you want to talk a little bit about that. That, Alison, has been well, yes, in all I, the major religions and so forth. I know. It's the second coming, the Kalki avatar. They all say that he's going to... You know, he's coming to the whole world, the Messiah, however you want to call him. But it was on November the 23rd, 1958, that Dr. King received a message, and it was like he heard this voice outside of himself. And this became known as the Lord's Declaration. And uh, I, I'll read, I will read this to you. There will shortly come another among you. He will stand tall among men with a shining countenance. This one will be attired in a single garment of the type now known to you. His shoes will be soft-topped, yet not made of the skin of animals. He will approach the earth leaders. They will ask of him his credentials. He will produce these. His magic will be greater than any upon the earth, greater than the combined materialistic might of all the armies. And it goes on. But, you know, that is... Fantastic. A description of a being stepping out of a huge spacecraft and he'll have all the powers. He won't be under limitation and he'll prove it. And there is not an army in the world that could defend itself if such a being chose to use powers in this way. And, you know, he will come really at the dawn the dawn of the new age where a big change will come about upon this earth and it will be a real spiritual renaissance for all who want to go with him and this will be the great era of peace and enlightenment you know they okay was the, the master jesus said the meek will inherit the earth it's not meek being weak or the you know the puny it's uh Meek meaning the spiritual. You know, you've got to understand the, you know, the translation of that of that right. prophecy. Yeah, good point. So it's yes, really so it's a fantastically it's, helpful, hopeful message. Uh, oh, it that we're is. not alone on this planet, and we never have been alone on this planet. No, and, you know, no. We mistakenly look to politics or something to give us the answer to our questions, but it never will. It basically, it never no. will, um, because the answer will always come spiritually. Uh, we truly are spiritual beings. We should never forget that we're spiritual beings, first and foremost, going through life in physical bodies, which are very important, of course, uh, gaining experience. Yes. But we should always take the time to nurture ourselves spiritually, to send out our prayers, our love into this 
world because not only is it helping everybody on this planet, but it's also helping us to advance every time we do this. And so this I mean, really he- is a time of preparation. I'm sorry. Absolutely, Chrissy, absolutely right. Because the, the point I was going to make is that the great spiritual guidance that we have been given have been given by beings of from other worlds. The great avatars who came to earth, like the Lord Buddha, yeah. Sri Krishna, the Master Jesus, were not of this world. That is one of the, that is the whole point. And the guidance that we're giving that we've been given now is to help us to evolve so that we can join with our planetary neighbors. And that is, that is why the nine freedoms was given in the way that it was, that there is a life beyond uh, nirvana. It's not the nothingness. We start a whole new cycle of experience where we no longer have to reincarnate on this earth. You know, they're watching over us. I mean, the spiritual hierarchy of Earth alone are holding the balance for this Earth, and they will have to, at some point, hand over to us. And the way they can hand over to us is if we are ready to take the baton. And it's, you know, using spiritual energy, putting the right energy into the mind belt, because then people will tune into that. You know, when you're used to thinking in a certain way, it it becomes easy because you're actually pulling on a, a, an aspect of thought that's already there and is prevalent. But the thing to do, you know, it's, it's looking at it in a completely different way. Like there's no such thing as an original thought, but we have to draw on the right thoughts in the mind belt. And the more we start to think in that way, the easier it comes to us as well. And that's what the cosmic masters are waiting for. I like what you said about our planetary neighbors, and it's so true. And especially now as uh, we're reaching out further and further into the cosmos and finding more and more planets, it seems like almost every week. Um, And many scientists believe that uh, many of them are inhabited planets. And also, I just want to touch on one thing uh, before we yes. leave the show, and that's a question oh. probably some of the listeners are asking. We're talking about beings from the planet Mars and Venus and so forth, and um, they're saying, well, they're thinking to themselves, well, peop- you know, we know that they're not inhabited on the physical realm because we've seen pictures and so on. So perhaps you could just explain that briefly. Well, you can't look at uh, life as we know it because... There are many planes of existence. I mean, this is why they blink in and they blink out of, you know, of, of sight. Um, but if you look to uh, higher realms, because they, they vibrate to higher realms, I mean, they can travel through the realms and uh, they can sort yes. of create for themselves a physical body that wouldn't say frighten us, not that they would be, but they might be like a huge ovoid or, you, you know, a, a life form that we, we wouldn't be able to probably look at because it's so advanced and it would be the power coming from it would be so intense. So they, you know, they, to an extent, they would uh, adjust their appearance for our sake. But, I mean, with life on Mars, it's not just on the physical plane. But I, I think we discussed this uh, last time about the underground cities, but um, even yeah. Oh, yeah. On, the planet v- on the planet Venus, they live on the higher planes. I mean, there are temples there. I mean, on Saturn, there's a, a huge temple there. And you've got, a, you know, a, a Saturnian being would, be, would have a consciousness within an ovoid that's about 30 or 40 feet high that doesn't move and who c- can split its consciousness into you know, several thousand pieces. You know, we can't imagine being conscious in two places at one and the same time. Imagine, say, 1,800 different aspects of consciousness all operating at one and the same time. I mean, they have powers that we can only dream of, but it's all possible. You know, we're all heading back to God, and that is the great journey, and it doesn't end. It doesn't end with terrestrial life, you go on to higher life cycles. There's life on the sun, you know. It, Alison, I think that's a wonderful just, place 
to, to end the show, actually, the, the, the statement you just made, I think that's a great place to end the show. Uh, we're coming oh, down to the last you. few seconds. Such a fascinating topic. I think we could talk all day, but I'd like to thank I you know, very I much, Alison. I know, I can't Alice. believe an hour. <laughs> and uh, we'll just hand over back to hand back to Nikki for the final closing announcement. So thank you, everybody, for listening and for a great show. Thank you very much. Well, thank you, Chrissy and Alison, for another informative and very revealing show. You have been listening to A Serious Radio Live, which is your cosmic connection the third Tuesday of each month. The next show will be on Tuesday, December 20th, entitled, and wait for this, Mars Sector 8, a glorious cosmic resource. For more information on this fascinating fact mentioned in the show or to connect with the Aetherius Society, please visit aetherius.org. You can also connect with Quizzy Blaze and Richard Lawrence by visiting their websites, quizzyblaze.com and richardlawrence.co.uk, respectively. Thank you so much for listening and please enjoy the rest of the month.